leave me nothing to play with? We're going to continue. Uh, um, I've been uh, started uh, right at the end of December. Um, O.S. Hawkins wrote a book, The Joshua Code, 52 verses every Christian should know or every believer should know. And we're gonna, we've been kind of working our way through that with some study tips. And we're going to continue that today with what Hawkins in his book calls the most often quoted verse in the Bible, and that's John 3.16. Everybody knows this, right? You've, you've, uh, you've seen it at football games in, in the stands, baseball games in the stands. You, uh, you've seen it probably in the eye patch or eye black of players. You, it, this, is a, this is a famous verse. However, even if you know it and have it memorized, have you ever really worked your way through it to see what's there? Have you ever really dug into it a bit? And we're going to do that today. We're going to do that with the two study tips that I've been talking about since the beginning of the year. Uh, the first one is asking yourself, so what? I've read the scripture, so what? So what does this say about God? So what does this say about me? And so what do I need to do now that I know this about God and about myself? So those three questions that help us apply the verse to our lives. The second thing that, that I like to do is go through phrase by phrase. And so we're going to do that as well today. Now, I always add John 3.17 to John 3.16. And the reason I do that is because it's, it, it's a great footnote, if you will, to why 3.16 happens. John 3.16 tells us what happens. John 3.17 tells us why. So we're going to read both of those this morning and then, and then start uh, our way through them. John 3.16 and 17, and they are up here behind me. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So, working our way through this, what does this say about God? The first thing that's easily recognized, I think, is it tells us God loves us. He loves us. You know, we just sang the song about how God's love never fails. We often don't think about the love of God in this way. God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. God loves us. And this is all inclusive. This, this, this verse, the first part of this verse, casts a wide net. God loves the world in this way so much. So loved, as, as it sometimes says. So it talks about God's love, and it tells us that God is love. It's what 1 John tells us. 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. What we must understand, what we got to get into our heads, is that nothing we can do can separate us from the love of God. Nothing we can do will make, uh, make God love us less, and nothing we can do can make God love us more. God loves us enough that he sent his one and only son. So it tells us God's, it talks about God's love. In fact, it defines love for us, I think. God defines love. 
Our culture would have you believe that love is some warm and fuzzy feeling. Love isn't a feeling at all. God did not send Jesus to die on a cross because he felt warm and fuzzy about you. Love is a decision and an action. That's what it is. And God, God's love shows us a decision. God loves the world so much that he sent. He, there is, there's a purpose to love. It is a decision made and an action taken. Now, that action taken also matters because love is sacrificial by its nature. Love binds by its nature, and it's sacrificial by its nature. It is not loving husbands or wives. It is not loving to do something that makes you happy. It's loving to do something that makes the target of your love happy. That's love. And love always costs you something. It costs you time. It costs you money. It costs something. And what it cost God was his one and only son. Now this also tells us something about Jesus, doesn't it? It says he's his one and only son. Now that, uh, that phrase in the Greek is, is one of a kind, unique in every way. Now, there are some belief systems that do not believe this, that would argue this, that God's, God had more than one son. But this clearly says God had one son, one and only, unique in every way, one of a kind. They broke the mold when they, when they made him. Unique, one of a kind, one and only son, Jesus Christ. So that tells us something about Jesus, doesn't it? It tells us that Jesus is deity. Humanity and deity combined in a way that we really have a hard time understanding. But it tells us that uniqueness of Jesus just in this one verse. This is, this is the gospel in one verse, frankly, because it tells us about the motivation, God's love. It tells us about who, his one and only son, and it tells us about what he did. So this is the gospel in one quick sentence. So that's what it tells us about God. It, it tells us that, that God loves us even before we knew who he was. None of us were around when this happened. None of us were around when Jesus came to this planet, this ball of dust. And yet... We are the benefactors of God's love nonetheless. God loves us even before we know him. I said earlier, this is a, a wide net. This is all-inclusive. It's all-inclusive because it doesn't say that God loves certain people. It doesn't say God loves the elect. It doesn't say God loves just this group. It says God loves the world. Now, Romans 1 also tells us that the world needs to be redeemed. You know, in, in, in Genesis 3, when the curse happens, the curse of sin happens, it affects even the ground. So plants and trees and animals and everything dies now. So Romans 1 tells us that, that Jesus came not just to save us, but to redeem the world. God loves the world that much. Us and everything he created will is redeemed in Jesus Christ. 
says a lot about God just in this one verse. And what does it say about us? What does it say about me? I think the first thing that I, want to, I would point out is that you are loved by God. You are loved by God. A friend of mine, a, a, a guy uh, that, that is a pastor elsewhere, used to say, you are worth Jesus to God. Jesus died so you could have eternal life. You are loved. And there is nothing you can do today or tomorrow or this week that will make God love you less or that will make God love you more. God's love is complete in Jesus. So we are loved. You and I, we're loved. But it also says everyone who believes in him now, it says God loves the world, which is all-inclusive. But then it gets exclusive at the end of this, doesn't it? Because it says the promise of eternal life is to those who believe in his son, his one and only son. It's not for everybody. It's for those who make the choice, the decision and the action to love Jesus, to believe in Jesus. Hawkins says in his, uh, in his book, we transfer our trust from ourselves to Jesus. Because, and, and it's an important point, because what we tend to do is think we have to still do stuff to make God like us. We still, we, we accept Jesus as our Savior. And then we say, well, well but I've got to do stuff too. I've got to add that stuff on. Do you realize that that does not make God love you more. It does not give you Jesus points. It does not help you in any way. We do those because we're saved, not in order to be saved. Do that to, to pass on the grace and the love we've been given. We don't do it in order to get more grace or more love. We do it because we already have grace and love. So when we try and add, what, we're, what we do to this verse is say, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him, and then we have to add, and does this stuff, will not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't say that. So we believe. What we must do is believe. Transfer our trust from us to Jesus. It also says that we are part of everyone. Everyone. We tend, sometimes I guess, we tend to say that there are those that, that God loves and those that God doesn't. But that's not what the verse says, is it? It says God loves everyone. Whosoever is, is the, the way the old uh, King James puts it. You and I were part of everyone, you whosoever. And as long as we believe in his one and only son, then we have the promise of eternal life. So that's what, that's what, that's what it says about us. So what do we need to do? We need to believe and to trust Jesus Christ for our salvation. This promise of eternal life does not go to everyone. It narrows down from the world to those who believe. We need to be a part of that 
inner group, that smaller group of those who believe. We transfer our trust to Jesus Christ. We no longer trust what we can do. We trust what he has done. That's what we must do. And verse 17, the reason I think 17 is important to 16 is it gives us the why. It tells us Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, and so why would his believers be about condemnation? He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world through him. So that's our part in this, is to show others love and grace, not condemnation. Because as the followers of Jesus, if he didn't come to condemn, that's not our job either. So we love and we show grace. So let's kind of work through it phrase by phrase. For God so loved the world that the action of sending Jesus is based on the love of God for us. The love of God for the world he created. Now, I will say this is good news. And, and I say that because it's not always easy for us to love God. Sometimes stuff is going on in our lives. Sometimes we have a prayer request that he's not answering in the way we want him to answer or in the time we want him to answer. And so we have a hard time loving God. But this action, this love of God, it's, it's the salvation that it brings is based upon God's love for us, not our love for God. You see the difference? Even when we are in rebellion, even when we have decided we want to decide what's right and wrong in our lives, even when we decide, I want to be in charge, I don't want God to be in charge of my life, I've got plans, God still loves us, and this salvation is still based upon his love, not our love. So I think that's good news. And as I said earlier, love is always sacrificial, always. It costs you something, and what it costs God is his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And then the next phrase, he gave his one and only son. As I pointed out earlier, this is, Jesus is unique in every way. There's only one of him, and there's never been another, and there won't be. He's it. Now, this means there's one way to God. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said that in John 14, 6. There is one way to God, and that is through the unique way God made in Jesus Christ. All roads don't lead to God. One does. Jesus Christ. So you see, this, this goes from all-inclusive to very exclusive. Those who believe in Jesus Christ have the promise of eternal life. And those who do not, do not have the promise. It's just that simple. So that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is the reason Jesus came. Look at that, so that. So that, in order that. The reason God sent Jesus was to save us. The motivation was his love. But the action that he took was to save us by sacrificing his own son. So that everyone who believes in him. 
the, the purpose of Jesus coming. Jesus, and, and we have eternal life, it says, eternal life. Jesus defines eternal life in John 17, 3. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So eternal life is not something that we wait for uh, when, we, uh, when we die. We're not waiting around for eternal life to start until we die. Eternal life starts when we know God and when we know Christ. Eternal life starts. The promise comes at the point of belief. The promise comes when we decide, when we make the decision to trust the action of God. Eternal life is ours, and it begins. And we have a whole new life. You know, this, uh, this shows that God, the creator, is into recreating also. Because everything was destroyed by sin. Everything. And yet now, we are recreated at the point of belief with eternal life, with a whole new life. And that begins at the point of belief. Eternal life isn't, doesn't start when we, when we die. It starts when we believe. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. As I said earlier, I think this is an important footnote because this tells us the why. Jesus came for this reason only, to save. No other reason. We have new life. We have recreated life, eternal life. We have a walk with Christ. We know God. We have all of these benefits because Jesus came. And he came for one purpose, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The only reason he came. So we've kind of worked our way through John 3, 16 and 17. Jesus asked his disciples in, in Mark 8, 20, 29, who do you say that I am? And you may remember Peter says, the Christ, the son of the living God. I believe every one of us face that decision. Every one of us face that question. Who do you say that I am? There is, this verse tells us he's the one and only son of God who, because of God's love, came to save us. Not to condemn us, but to save us. That's what, these, what John 3, 16 and 17 says. That's who Jesus is according to John 3, 16 and 17. But I ask you, who do you say Jesus is? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads because there's no more important question than that one. No more important question you will ever face than who do you say Jesus is? If he's just a teacher or a prophet or a good man, then he's not the one and only Son of God who can save the world. This, this verse, or these verses, John 3, 16 and 17, leave no doubt about who Jesus is and why he came. No doubt. Do you know that Jesus died for you? You can. You can make that commitment right here, right now. You can pray along in your own words and say, 
God, I, I know I have sin in my life. I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I'm going to transfer my trust from me to you. I am going to trust that Jesus died on the cross for me. And so I'm going to ask that you recreate me this morning. Give me eternal life starting now. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Let one of our deacons know. Let somebody know that you prayed the prayer that started a new life for you, that recreated you today. Maybe this morning you know Christ, but you have been in rebellion, if you're honest with yourself. You've you've decided that you're in charge, not him. Maybe this verse has reminded you that God's love motivates Jesus. And Jesus can motivate you. Father, we thank you for this gospel. We thank you, Father, that Jesus came for the singular purpose of saving us. Help us to see that in our everyday. Help us to speak about that in our everyday. Help us to be be visions of your grace and mercy and love. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.